0: to Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics impacting today's evolving legal operations community anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. So grab that glass of wine and get comfy as we share stories from the Legal Ops community aimed at digging deeper to find and release your inner brilliance, personally and professionally. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Dear Legal Ops. Buckle up because today's episode is set on the yellow brick road of legal outsourcing and just how alternative are ALSPs? We'll explore the promising Emerald City of solutions to high volume, low risk tasks and how to traverse this path without waking the sleeping lions of the old guard. In today's episode, we're dissecting the art and science of legal outsourcing strategy. You know, identifying what tasks are prime for offloading and which ones should maybe remain in house. But wait, don't click those red ruby slippers just yet. We're also tackling the trusty toto factor, that gnawing feeling when you hand over important work and watch from the sidelines. What's safe to delegate to an ALSP and what happens if that wicked witch of risk decides to show up? A crucial part of today's discussion. It revolves around buying in as we dive deeper into the fascinating world of this corporate psychology landscape. How do we convince general counsels and in-house teams that this yellow brick road we're on, it can lead to a kingdom of efficiency and cost savings? Are we really dealing with the old guard of Oz scenario? Or can we finally break through and capitalize on new opportunities? As we unveiled last week, We're thrilled to continue our season two quest to bring you the voices from the front lines of legal operations. We'll be engaging in candid conversations with the movers, the shakers, and all these community champions crafting the field's future. We're gonna have tales of triumphs, learn from their challenges, and peek under that corporate hood into the whirlwind that is our corporate legal operations landscape. Y'all, we're rolling out the red carpet for our very special guest, Tommy Tavares-Ferrera, Senior Director and Head of Legal Ops at Cedar. Let me tell y'all, when we talk about superhumans in the legal ops world, Tommy has such a unique and inspiring journey. No doubt a testament to her hard work. What makes today's episode so exciting is Tommy's professional prowess and the personal connection we share. She's really been a guiding light and a trusted friend in my professional and personal life. So today, it's not just another episode. It's about to be a moment of magic here for the House of Dearly Glop's fandom. So let's get this party started. We're off to meet the wizard, hear the roar of innovation, and learn about the courage and heart it takes to navigate a psychological safety net while climbing the corporate ladder. So please, sit back, pour yourself a glass of wine, and let's dive into our Letter with Tommy, where we bridge the gap between the voices behind the letters and the vibrant community surrounding us. But first... Grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops. Our letter today comes from the cowardly outsource Oh my lion Our regal listener roars, Dear Legal Ops, Legal Outsourcing promises to be the emerald city of solutions to my high-volume, low-risk tasks. Yet the journey there seems daunting can you share some wisdom on understanding the psychology of risk and reward in the corporate world? I need to convince my skeptical old guard that the journey along the yellow brick road could lead to a kingdom of efficiency and cost savings without igniting fears of the wicked witch of risk. Oh, cowardly outsourced lion, I think we can actually help you along this journey today. And speaking of journey... We're not gonna make this trek today alone. Oh, no, 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 no. We brought in a real life Dorothy who's navigated the tornadoes of change, dodged the flying monkeys of doubt, and emerged victorious on the other side of this legal operations continuum. Y'all, joining the Dear Legal Ops studio today is a beacon of innovation in the legal operations community. But before we get to our current role, Let me set the stage for y'all why Tommy is the perfect community conversation to assist our anonymous, cowardly, outsourced lion. Tommy started her career working for Go-Kart Records in New York and then zigzagged across America on a traveling rock tour. And she also danced with Madonna at Webster Hall. And true fact, right, Tommy? We went to see Elton John together in D.C. That was a lot of fun. Yes, you guys heard that right. Tommy's rhythm doesn't stop on the dance floor, oh no. she smoothly transitioned her steps from the music industry into the corporate legal operations world, making these awesome and amazing pit stops at, you know, just some small companies like Peloton, Rakuten, and HBO. So not only is she a badass and expert in our field, but she's also a devoted mother and wife who's really just managed to balance it all. Tommy, I'm so happy that you're here today. So I just want to start off with saying share a little bit about yourself this journey you've been on what makes you such a unique voice that can help the cowardly outsourced lion in our community
1: Well Tom first of all thank you so much for having me I am so excited to be speaking with the dear legal ops listener especially the cowardly outsourced oh no lion You know I don't know I don't know that I have such a unique voice. I think I have a really bold voice in our community. I think. Mm. I think if I was a cocktail recipe, I'd be fifty-five percent maybe expertise, forty-five percent emotional intelligence, which I think is supremely important, and just overflowing with my my rim overfloweth with with, with authenticity. So I really. I'm so thrilled mm, to be talking. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so now, go go grab your cocktails and mocktails, and, and tell me what you're made of. I'm super excited to talk about this topic today. I think that I have a little bit of experience that hopefully I can lend to the lion. That will will help the lion and others out.
0: Okay, so talk to me. We'll dive right into it. For those who may not understand the landscape of ALSPs, right, or alternative legal service providers, what's that DLO, TLDR? Like, what's the highest level? Break it down so then we can kind of dig more into why this is kind of a broader issue.
1: Well, Cowardly Lion, we have great news for you. There's a burgeoning industry out there that will not take much to convince your skeptical old guard that the journey along the yellow brick road is paved in many billions of dollars. It's soon going to turn green. Mm-hmm. The alternative legal service provider, ALSP, as we call it, that industry is on track to be a $23 billion industry by Wait, 20,
0: 23
1: billion. 23 billion. Wait. So maybe we should shift from calling it alternative and start using the A to represent A as in another legal service provider.
0: I was thinking it was a different A of a service <laughs> provider, but yes, is you know. A, is
1: this an SFW podcast?
0: <laughs> this is, absolutely, yes, yes.
1: So maybe this should just be another, another tool in our toolkit, another, another A. It's not alternative, it just should be another. That's first.
0: Okay. So when I was in my roles at Credit Karma, when I was at Teladoc, I think ALSP, while the term was around, I don't think I really conceptualized it until I started managing a larger budget and having to manage a lot more. And then those resources kind of being pulled back and understanding like what is best to tackle in-house versus what is to, to our point, like actually outsourcing, but where... I've always really struggled with this is how do you actually take the first step in making that either like matrix or that decision that I need to do it? Like, what's the first step to saying, I want to actually tackle whether or not we should like utilize ALSPs?
1: There probably is an objective that supports the outsourcing. So generally everyone wants to save money. I don't think that you can go to anyone and say, hey, would you like to save money? And anyone's going to say no, right? Everyone wants to reduce some of the the work that is not really strategic. And, you know, people call it non-value add, but it's the work that that they'd rather get rid of, frankly. It's (laughs) the work... (laughs) I don't got time for this. Yeah, I don't got time for this. It's not strategic. I've never heard an attorney or if you're at a firm on a on a path to partner. I've never heard anyone say like, I built my career in NDAs, right? Like it just, <laughs> d- it doesn't happen, right? Shout
0: out to our CLM vendors there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Shout out to automating an NDA because it's not, you're not making or breaking your career on it. So I think legal ops leaders are in this really cool position because one, we have insight and data. Hopefully we have insight and data. If we don't, that's a It's probably another episode where we're (laughs) going to start, but hopefully you're at a point where you have insight and data of what the whole team is working on and you can see what the volume of work is and you can sit down and maybe strategize what the the risk matrix looks like. Is it high volume in this sector? Is it uh, high risk? Does it look like low volume here, but high risk? Like you can start to put together what you think the matrix looks like. Then you can start to shop it around. You can shop around to your GC, shop around to your leadership team and say, hey, I think I put together what I think the risk matrix of the work is. Now can we start to talk about what we think we would be comfortable with outsourcing? Can this go out? like meaning out the door, outside of these walls. Could we get people that are not on this in-house team to do this work? And would that be okay? Is this not the strategic work that's going to make or break careers? And can we do it at a lower price point than we would pay people at a firm? That would be the starting of one conversation if you want to think about it from a how do we save money conversation. There are other angles, but that's one when you're thinking about like saving money.
0: And I think that once once you've gone through that process, right, and you have either a community that can help you or a manager in whatever that capacity, right? You could be reporting to the CLO. There could be a VP, AGC in between. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can be reporting. But whomever you're reporting to that would be the champion for legal ops, it's, all right, we've decided we would like to do this. Where my struggle was in the ALSP journey itself was sometimes coming into the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you want to revolutionize these workflows through technologies, right? You buy the CLM, you buy the e-billing, you buy, you know, the workflow automation tools, you try and link them together with dashboards, right? But how do you present that comprehensive vision, implementation strategy to the leadership knowing, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? Like, I don't, It's that imposter syndrome, but I noticed that it's the more of like this, you know, what the cowardly lion said of the psychology of risk and reward. I had never heard of this before. So explain to me what I felt because I can't really conceptualize it for our listeners.
1: Yeah, I think the, the psychology of risk and reward comes back to looking at that matrix, right? So if you're talking about Outsourcing, whether it's outsourcing overflow work with an ALSP, whether it's trying to reduce some of the manual work that you do with technology, you're trying to take work that you do and strategize ways that you can do it different, you know, more cost effectively, et cetera. So you wanna you wanna take a look at that work. And now you want to go on a sort of psychological risk-reward journey, if you will.
0: Mm, I like that. Psychological (laughs) risk-reward journey.
1: There is a lot of trust involved in the work that you send out to your law firms, right? Mm -hmm. Your GC may have years of a relationship built up or your CLO, you might have years. You might have days or that that law firm might have years of a reputation that's built up. And so there may be very well be a lot of trust there. So to think that you're just going to r- rip away that trust because you want to sort of put like these dollar signs that may not exist yet onto a board, you may not really be able to do that. You may not be able to prove out that the reward is there. It's a It's a hypothetical reward. So... You're talking about a risk and reward journey. That's all hypothetical. So you have to start that journey really in a really tiny place where you could potentially have a win. So for example, I wouldn't say to my CLO, hey, I'm thinking of maybe we rip away uh, some of our biggest litigation from one of our trusted firms that has never lost a case for for us. How's that
0: going to go? <laughs> let me let me know how that conversation goes. In
1: 15 years, <laughs> it might save us $37 million if we if we put all that money away from white shoe firm A and and put it all here, even at a lower cost firm or at an alternative provider. But really, at the end of the day, there's, there's trust embedded there. And it's just too risky. You can't prove out the reward. They're not going to get past the risk to even take a chance to see if there's a reward at the end of that rainbow, frankly.
0: This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in-house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies. With a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L E G A L.io. Legal.io. Legal.io. Your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind. For me, I think the interesting part about understanding the matrix and how psychologically we have conversations that lead to change is first finding your change champions. This comes as no surprise, I'm sure, but I'm always a bull in a china shop, right? So it's very, (laughs) very hard for me to like hold back this. I have identified the solution. I'm really confident about this. Actually, the data really shows that to me as well. But I know I haven't earned your trust yet, right? (laughs) So I, I think the part that I love about this question, while it can be specifically about ALSPs, right? But this also is about a lot of other situations that you encompass along this legal ops journey. Talk to me about how you've done this, right? How you've influenced a leadership team on a perspective of change management and like for this episode and like to help the Cowardly Lion, specifically on this legal outsourcing, right?
1: I think legal ops people at their core are influencers and politicians because we are are often utilizing our tools to influence. So it's the information that we have. It's data... It's knowing the audience, right? If I'm going to go to a leadership team and if I'm going to pitch an idea, technology, the change management of moving a certain sect of work over to, you know, an overflow provider and, and ALSP, I have to have some intel that is going to help them to make the decision. A lot of that, one, is know your audience, if you're going to a person or a team, they might have all different styles. So you probably have to know who the most influential person in that audience is to, to know who you're kind of pitching to. But if they like marketing and PR or if they like data, like you have to know how how do I pitch this to them? And the reason why I call the, us politicians is because a lot of the work that I've done in pitching change to folks has often happened before I got in the room.
0: Oh, it's, it's <laughs> that's absolutely right. I mean... Right. Even in my new role, I think it's the first time and maybe it's because, you know, like every time you kind of level up, right, in in a new role and you're like, this time I'm really going to work on this, right? I've started doing that of the one thing I have to understand is I don't know everybody yet. And so because I don't know everybody yet, I actually just need to sit and listen, right? I just need to sit and ask questions and ask, how can I help, right? Right. I absolutely agree with you on that, on that part
1: yeah, so sometimes you're sometimes you are absorbing information, and sometimes you are you are laying the foundation for what the change is before you get to the pitch room. And then when you finally get to that room, you know whether or not you have anyone who's on board. Here is a perfect example. If I'm going to go to a room of legal leaders on the leadership team of which I am on, and if I'm going to propose to them that we take any of their precious work, and take it away from firms that they've worked with and have trusted and have grown relationships with and who are working on their work. And if I say, hey, we're going to take some of that work and we're going to send it to a different provider because maybe they cost more or maybe they'll have different outcomes, people will all of a sudden become territorial and they, will, they, mm-hmm. may, not, they may not want to be on board for that plan. You have to have done a pre-read and have set the stage and have done a lot of that political work before you got in you have to make sure that one or two of those people actually would be on board for that. So if they say, actually, I'll raise my hand. I like this plan. Let me be one of the people who would take the chance, who would do this. Let me be one of your sponsors for change to see if this plan works. And they'll, and if they do that in the room with you as an ally, then others might come along and might be on board with it. But I don't think that you can get into a room, pitch an idea to folks, something as big as that, sort of change, like changing over from a law firm to an ALSP without having done a lot of the pre-work, which is all about relationships, about knowing the work, about doing that risk matrix homework that you were doing, strategizing what work could be okay to go outside, that could be okay to go away from maybe the firms they were comfy with. So a lot of it is the pre-work strategy and the relationships that you built with the teams that you're asking to change.
0: That's exactly right. So... First, we're going to understand the psychology of risk and understanding is the risk worth it, right? Then the second thing we're going to do is ultimately kind of check ourselves, right? And understand what's the strategy, what's the political landscape that we're about to step a landmine over. And then from there, it's figuring out, okay, we have this optimization and we have this cost-saving plans. We found our change champions. I got my corral with me. There's enough vendors in our ecosystem that I think, that's when it connects, right? It's not just about outsourcing the tasks. It's really about building those relationships and partnerships that add value and drive improvement. And I think for me, and I know a lot of the listeners out there, it is having that end-to-end, maybe not just the cowardly lion, right? Maybe Dortha herself, and she's trying to navigate and negotiate Doing this pivotal contract, right? That you have to lead, and you're like, I can do it better this way. And so instead of just coming in, you know, like a bull in a china shop, they take that psychological risk in the right way and develop a plan. And then that willingness to seek help and that really understanding and working cross collaterally wins the respect of your entire team. And then guess what? Bam, you crush that negotiation, right? So you really demonstrated that sometimes the risk of exposing your vulnerabilities can pay off in personal growth and stronger professional relationships. Yeah. Gosh, my goodness. We're almost out of time here. It looks like that we're down to the bottom of our glasses here. And Tommy, this this has been so great today. Like, I'd kind of love to get some kind of final thoughts from you on this topic. Like, what would you want to leave our listeners as well as our cowardly outsourced lion on navigating the psychology of risk and reward in legal outsourcing so that you can, I don't know, get that efficiency, that cost savings, not lose your job, have friends that come out along the way and end up working smarter, not harder.
1: Well, for the Cowardly Lion, I'd like to say, find your braves because this is gonna be a big moment for you in your career. There is an entire ecosystem of vendors that are out there. There is no shortage of, as we say, another legal service provider to choose from. Look for your partners. And I mean you know, you can throw a dart at the wall and find any vendor to buy a product from or to buy services from, to buy consulting from, but really look for your partners. They'll Mm -hmm. be the ones that will help you to make the case. They'll they'll have been through this before. They'll help you to understand how do I build this case? How do I prove ROI before I know what the ROI could potentially be? How do I convince my GC to take a risk? How do I convince myself to take this risk and know that this is not going to be me having a total failure in my career, right? Like Sue, so look for partners that can really work with you to help you, to teach you things like taking small bites instead of huge chunks. Oh, I want the whole elephant all at yeah, once though. That's no. what I want <sighs> Take a small bite. Run a proof of concept, Work with those those partners that will do things like that with you because they want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you fail all at once. They want to make sure you too are not out of your depth so that when you're out there in the community, you talk about how great they are. And it's a win-win <laughs> for everybody, right? So really like, look, I view, I constantly am course correcting the word vendor and I say partners because that's what I want. I want the people that I engage with in this ecosystem to be my partner I want that to be the type of relationship that we have. And if the Cowardly Lion goes out there and searches for the partners that can be supportive in that regard, I think that the Cowardly Lion and the Cowardly Lion's whole team is going to have uh, an easier transition taking this big chance. Oh,
0: Tommy, this has been incredible. Tell our House of Dear Legal Ops listeners how they can get in touch with you. And is there anything else you'd like to impart with them?
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been wild fun. You can find Mm me on linkedin.com slash Tommy.
0: Perfect. Let's do this again soon. Sound good?
1: Yeah. I think that sounds great. Ooh,
0: I like this. At the core of this legal ops journey lies a balancing act between innovation and risk. A dance that requires careful navigation. So as you stride down your path, remember, just like the cowardly lion, there's an art to convincing the old guard to view risk through a new lens. And this just isn't about change for the sake of change, Henny, but about fostering innovation that propels us forward, that balances protecting our in-house legal teams with the opportunities that lie on the other side of fear. The relationship between an in-house legal team and an ALSP is more than just a transactional arrangement. It's a partnership built on mutual trust and shared objectives. As Tommy was talking about, it's more than just outsourcing tasks. It's about building and nurturing relationships that brings a unique blend of value and improvement to the table. Reflecting on today's conversation with Tommy, it's clear that our career narratives are interwoven with both our willingness to take risks and our ability to forge meaningful connections. This journey to leadership, it is not always straightforward. It's often a winding yellow brick road filled with opportunities to learn, grow, and redefine what it means to be a leader in this crazy corporate legal operations world. So, dear LegalOps fandom, as we move through the complexities and challenges of our careers, let's not forget the power of community and how our shared experiences and collective wisdom can help us navigate even the toughest of terrains. This community is a testament to the strength that comes from shared understanding and mutual support. And that's the heart of balancing the psychologically risk matrix. The path to building trust, managing risk, and driving innovation may be steeped in some uncertainty. It's gonna require courage, boldness, and stepping outside of your comfort zone. But remember, these are experiences that shape us, that hone our skills, and build our resilience. So I urge you to embrace your journey, learn from your challenges, and Cowardly Lion, continue to cultivate trust and innovation within your teams. Together, we can continue to shape the landscape of legal operations, balancing risk with reward and traditional approaches with those fresh perspectives. The possibilities are vast and the opportunity for you to make an impact is right here, right now. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at @DearLegalOps. Have a tough legal ops topic you want us to tackle? Share your legal ops stories with us at dearlegalops.com/submit for a chance to be featured on the show. Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music. As always, I'm your host Tom Stevenson. Until next time.